ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. We welcome you to Gospel Dynamite, a Christian broadcast dedicated to the salvation of the lost and the revival of God's people. I'm Alan Mashburn, your Bible teacher and the pastor of Asbury Baptist Church, located at 218 Asbury Church Road in Seagrove, North Carolina. We invite you to visit our church at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings and Wednesday evenings at 7 o'clock. On Sunday evenings, we provide online services which can be viewed on gospeldynamite.org. Now please join me in the study of the Word of God. You're listening to Gospel Dynamite. Thank you for joining us. I invite you to turn your Bible to Revelation chapter 13. We're going to read verses 1 through 10. Revelation 13, 1 through 10. And I stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise out up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. And the beast which I saw was likened to a leopard, and his feet were as the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him his power and his seat and great authority. And I saw one of his heads, as it were, wounded to death, and his deadly wound was healed. And all the world wondered after the beast. And they worshipped the dragon, which gave power unto the beast. And they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like unto the beast, who is able to make war with him? There was given unto him a mouth, speaking great things and blasphemy. And power was given unto him to continue forty and two months. And he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God, to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle, and them that dwell in heaven. And was given unto him to make war with the saints, and to overcome them. And power was given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him, whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb, slain from the foundation of the world. If any man have an ear, let him hear. He that leadeth into captivity shall go into captivity. He that killeth with the sword must be killed with the sword. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. Today we look at the beast from out of the sea. And in our last study, we met the Antichrist. We tried to consider what the Bible says about this this, uh, coming world ruler who is called the man of sin, the son of perdition. The Antichrist gives us an opportunity to see how Satan operates. The devil is an imitator. He takes what God does and he tries to duplicate it. You see, Jesus Christ is the real Christ. He is the revelation of God the Father. In John 1, there are three verses that are worthy of notation. John chapter 1 and verse 1, where the Bible says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. John chapter 1 and verse 14, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And then John chapter 1 and verse 18, where the Bible says, No man hath seen God at any time. The only begotten Son which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. These verses teach us the truth that Jesus is a living, breathing revelation of God the Father. The verse 18, the word declared, translates the Greek word that gives us our English word exegesis. The word means to narrate, it means to explain, to lead out, to draw out. 
It speaks of an explanation or a narration. In preaching, we use exegesis to to lead out and to explain the truths contained in the text. When Jesus came, he came to explain, to lead out, to narrate God. And in other words, Jesus Christ was and is God in the flesh. He was able to say in John 10, 30, I and my Father are one. He was also able to say in John 14, verse 9, He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. Jesus is God incarnate. He is God in the flesh. And in the Antichrist, Satan attempts to duplicate this relationship between Jesus Christ and God the Father. The Antichrist will be a living, breathing revelation of the devil. He will be the devil incarnate. He will be devil in the flesh. Now we know that our God is a triune being. He is one God who manifests himself in the persons of three distinct individuals. He is Father, Son, Holy Spirit. All three are one God, yet each is an individual person. They come together to make up the Holy Trinity. In Revelation chapter 12 and 13, we're introduced to the Satanic Trinity. Satan imitates God the Father. The Antichrist imitates God the Son. And the false prophet, who we will meet in our next study, imitates God the Holy Spirit. Today we give our attention to this man who's known as the Antichrist as these verses give us some important details concerning his mission, his methods, and his miracles. In verses 1 and 2, we see the appearance of the beast. As John, in verse 1, stands on the seashore, a mysterious beast rises from out of the sea. Now, we must say from the very onset, this is symbolic language. The sea in the Bible represents the masses of humanity. This individual will come from among men. In other words, while he may possess power that surpasses all the other great rulers before him, he will be nothing more than a man. The Antichrist will be empowered by Satan, and he will wield tremendous power and authority. But unlike Jesus Christ, he will have a human mother and father. He will not be a God-man like Christ. He will be a man who receives his kingdom and his power from Satan himself. Now, where he will come from and what will be his nationality, exactly no one knows. Many people have suggested people along the way, such as Mussolini, such as Henry Kissinger, and the list goes on and on. But according to the Bible, we will see in just a moment, he, the Antichrist, will lead a ten-nation confederacy that resembles the revived Roman Empire. Therefore, he may be European by birth. Now, of course, Daniel chapter 11 and verse 37 tells us that he will not regard the God of his fathers. This verse leads many to speculate that he's going to be Jewish by birth. Fact is, I believe he's going to be a Gentile. For years, I thought he'd be a Jew. But actually, in the Hebrew, that Bible verse, Daniel eleven thirty-seven, says he will not re- regard the gods of his father. So we have to study the scriptures and see what they say for themselves. Now, in verses 1 and 2, we see how he operates. These verses give us a little insight into this man called the Antichrist. The symbolic language tells us something about what kind of man he is and also something about the nature of the kingdom he will rule. First, I'd point out the seven heads. 
The explanation for this is given in Revelation 17 and verse 9. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sitteth. Revelation 17 is a passage about the great harlot. Or we could also notate that she is the apostate church that will dominate world religion during the tribulation period. We're told that the harlot sits on seven hills. My friend, there's only one city in the world that's built on seven hills, and that is the city of Rome. Then we're told ten horns. Horns are a symbol of power and authority. Again, these horns are explained in Revelation 17 and verse 12. We're told that the ten horns are actually ten kings. Then we're told about ten crowns. These ten kings have great authority and power. The Antichrist will arise from among this confederation of ten powerful kings. Then we note the names of blasphemy. These world leaders will stand in open defiance of all that is holy or that has to do with God. Now, many believe that what we're seeing today is revival of the ancient Roman Empire in the form of the European Union. The Roman Empire was never really defeated. It just kind of dissolved into separate kingdoms. There have been many attempts to revive it down through the centuries. Charlemagne, Napoleon, Hitler tried it, but they all failed. Apparently, the Roman Empire will be revived again, and the Antichrist will dominate this confederation of nations. And we're already seeing that process come to pass in the world today. The European Union is comprised up of 25 European nations with five more who are candidates for admission. And the land area occupied by these nations covers much of the land that was occupied by the old Roman Empire. Everything is falling into place. Now, to understand the description given in the, of this beast in the verses before us, we actually have to go back to Daniel chapter 7, verses 3 through 8. Now, I trust you to do that on your own study as we do not have that time at the moment. In Daniel's vision, in these verses, though, he describes a great world empire that will follow one after another until the end of the world. Daniel speaks of a lion in verse 4. And this beast pictures the Babylonian empire. Like a lion, ancient Babylon was powerful, fearsome, and had a ravenous appetite for domination. The bear, in verse 5, speaks of the Medo-Persian empire. Like a bear, it possessed incredible power to crush its enemies. The leopard, in verse 6, speaks of the Greek empire. It's called a leopard because the Greeks were quick to dominate the world. The fourth beast, in verse 7, is the Roman Empire. With teeth of iron, they dominated the ancient world. The Bible is teaching us that the Antichrist will possess the power and the personality of all of these ancient empires, and he will combine all these strengths and possess none of their weaknesses. Then we see a body like a leopard. His rise to power will be swift. The Bible notes, feet like a bear, he will crush his opponents. Mouth like a lion, uh, like a lion, he will devour all who dare stand in his way. He's called a beast. The word beast refers to a wild animal. It's used as a metaphor of a man who is brutal, savage, and ferocious, and like a wild animal. 
Antichrist will attack the kingdoms of the world and he will destroy all who get in his path. He will be a fearsome and powerful man. Verse 2, we see how he officiates. We're told that the Antichrist rules the world, not by his own power, yet he is Satan's superman. He is energized by the dark prince. And we're told that Satan gives him three distinct things. Number one, his power. The word refers to strength, power, and ability. He gives him his seat. This is his throne. He rules because Satan has given him dominion. And number three, he gives him great authority. This word refers to the ability to do as one pleases. The Antichrist will do as he pleases on this earth for a brief period, and no one will be able to stop him. The Antichrist will accept the offer Jesus refused in Matthew 4. When Jesus was on the Mount of Temptation, Satan offered Jesus all the kingdoms of the world if he would bow down and worship the devil. Jesus refused Satan's ridiculous offer, and it appears, however, that the Antichrist will accept it and will rule the world. And Satan will control this future world ruler. Now, here's an interesting parallel that I want to point out today. The human heart was made to be occupied. When you're lost, the heart is occupied and controlled by Satan, according to Ephesians 2, 1 through 3. When a person is saved, the Holy Spirit takes up residence in your heart and assumes control of your life. If you have never received Jesus Christ as your Savior, then Satan is your Lord and Master, according to John 8, 44. But as we move on to verses 3 and 4, we see the achievements of the beast. At some point during the Antichrist's reign, he will die. Maybe an assassination or some other kind of upheaval, but he will be killed. And as the world watches and mourns the death of this very popular man, a miraculous thing happens. This dead man comes back from the dead and he experiences a resurrection. I remember I told you that Satan is an imitator. In this verse, we're told that Satan seeks to duplicate the resurrection. God's son died on the cross, rose from the dead, and the world, for the most part, ignores him. This man will die and rise again, and the world will wonder after him. He has the world right where he wants them. He's, he's got them eating out of the palm of his hand. Verse 4, we see he receives the world's worship. Whether this resurrection is real or just a bit of satanic sleight of hand, we don't know. Yet the citizens of the world will be taken in. They will be so caught up in the power and the glory and the wonder of the Antichrist that they actually give him their worship. The world will bow before this hellish king and give him what they have steadfastly refused to give God. Jesus Christ died for their sin and they totally ignore him. This liar, this imposter, this, this phony fakes a death and resurrection and they wail at his feet. And just as God receives the worship of man through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, Satan will receive the worship of men through the Antichrist. He will be getting what he has always wanted. Men will worship the beast and the devil. What a tremendous tragedy! 
While the heaven re heavens rejoice over the fact that Satan has been cast out of heaven, Revelation 12 and 10, the earth dwellers give their worship to the devil. The world will declare the Antichrist to be undefeatable. When they fail to understand, what they fail to understand is that there will come a day when Jesus Christ will come and that Antichrist will be defeated and cast into hell, Revelation 19 and verse 20. But I'd also show you the activities of the beast in verses 5 through 8. The Antichrist will use his newfound power over men to further Satan's agenda. And these verses tell us what kind of man the Antichrist will be. Verses 5 and 6, he defies God. The Antichrist will be a man of great oratorical ability. He will be able to move the masses with the power of his tongue. If you've ever seen films of Adolf Hitler, you've seen a man who understood the power of the tongue. By his words, he stirred up a nation and convinced them that they could rule the world. He convinced the German people that they were superior to all others. And Hitler's words brought about unbelievable suffering and innumerable deaths. Hitler was said, you can say something long enough and loud enough and people will eventually believe you. When the Antichrist comes, his power with words will make Hitler seem like a babbling idiot. He will galvanize the nations of the world with the power of his words. He will speak great things and they will believe him. He will speak blasphemies before God and against God and they will worship him. He will use his words to attack everything that has to do with God and the world will hang on his every word. He will do everything in his power to turn humanity against God. He will even declare himself to be God. Verse 7, he destroys the saints. Antichrist will make it his mission to seek out and destroy anyone who worships God. And there will a people be a people saved during the tribulation, and these people will become the focus of the Antichrist's intense hatred of God. He will not be able to defeat the 144,000 Jewish preachers as he travel the world preaching the gospel of the kingdom. He will not be able to defeat the two witnesses who stand in Jerusalem and preach the gospel of the kingdom. He will not be able to stop them until their time is finished, and then he will be allowed to kill them as well. But anyone else on this earth who refuses to bow to him and worship will be put to a martyr's death. Verse 7, he dominates the nations. The Antichrist will rule the world. Every nation will come under his power and domination, and he will be the ultimate world ruler. He will be the king of the world. Verse 8, he deceives the masses. This verse is, con is crystal clear. Every person who is not saved by God's grace will eventually bow and worship of Satan and his superman. Notice that these worshipers are called all that dwell upon the earth. The word dwell means to settle down. This phrase refers to people who have chosen to make this world their home. They've decided that they are not interested in heaven or anything to do with God or anything that he offers. They have staked all their hopes and their futures in this world, and God abandons them to their choice. They want the world, and he lets them have it. With all the consequences that come with such a decision. These earth dwellers have refused God and his Messiah, and they have chosen Satan and his false Messiah. And then he gives them up and lets them go after the world and the God they have chosen. May I ask you as we close, which world have you chosen? 
The Lord will allow you to have the Christ that you want. You can choose to reject the Lord Jesus Christ who died for you, who wants you to live with him forever, or you can choose to follow the false Christ. That's the two choices. There's only two choices. The Lord will have you allow you to have the Christ that you want. You can have the Lord Jesus Christ if you receive him. If not, you can live in this world long enough to worship the Antichrist. The final two verses of our text have a special message for us today. Verse 9, if any man have an ear, let him hear. Do you recognize that statement? We have seen that statement a myriad of times before. Revelation 2.7, Revelation 2.11, Revelation 2.17, Revelation 2.29, Revelation 3.6, Revelation 3.13, Revelation 3.22. If you go and read these verses, you'll be able to find what they say. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Now when you go and read these verses here in this present chapter, do you see what's missing? Two things are missing here. The Spirit and the churches. Both the Spirit and the church were removed from the world when Jesus snatched away his saints in the event we know as the rapture. The age of grace has ended and the world is in the grip of the great tribulation. When God speaks here, he does not warn his people. He warns the earth dwellers. But it is too late for them to repent. They are locked in their choice. And they will worship the beast. And they will die. And they will go to hell. Verse 10 drives the point home. The whole point of verse 10 is that people reap what they sow, according to Galatians 6 and verse 7. If you live for Satan, you're going to reap Satan. If you reject Jesus, you will be rejected by Jesus. Thus, the time to make a choice is now. The time to make a choice is today. Coming, there's coming a day when it will be too late. When will that day be? No one knows but my Lord. Could be today, could be tonight, could be tomorrow. There will come a day when God will stop calling you and he will abandon you to your choice. If you're not saved, you need Christ today. If you are saved, verse 10 has a word of hope. The 
patience and faith of the saints is the knowledge that in the end, Satan and Antichrist will be defeated. For my friend, in that day, God and righteousness will reign. And the main thing today is for each person to be sure which world they're hooked into. Are you an earth dweller? Are all your hopes and dreams locked up in this world? Or are you a citizen of heaven? Have you received Christ as your Savior? If you have, you will not face the Antichrist or the horrors of the tribulation. Do you know where you're going? Would you like to be saved? If he's spoken to your heart, do business with him today. Come to Christ. Come to him now. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today. We trust it's been a blessing. Trust you'll have a great week in the Lord. Log on to our website, gospeldynamite.org, and let us know if you've accepted Christ or this message has helped you. God bless you, and we trust you have a great day in the Lord.